Two Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe and as always, my brother Coach Tony is here. Hey everybody out there, once again in T-Bomb land, episode Man, 39 now, Joe. Uh, one more to go till the end of season two. And then uh, another season preview coming up for season three, and we're just off to the races. Uh, time, time is flying when you think about it. We've been doing this now for 10 months, and uh, it seems just like yesterday that you approached me and I wanted to kill you when we changed from a YouTube channel to a podcast channel, if you could recall. Um, and just a giggle. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, it, today's show I think is very interesting. Agree or, or, or disagree? No, it is. It is. And, and the biggest reason why is because we're going to talk about social cues today when it comes to eating habits. And I think what people have to understand is this has nothing to do with, I feel hungry. It's your brain is telling you because of your environment around you that you're hungry. Uh, and there's a lot more that goes into that than, than just that. So I think it's going to be a great show today. Um, but before we do that, Joe, let's let's get into something else that kind of will lead us to that social. Yeah. Social cues, uh, as I can't speak today, uh, of eating habits. And a lot of people out there thinking right now, here we go again with the 80s. But guess what? Generation Z. 21% of our listening crowd right now. You're on the clock. You're up. And we're going to go to you guys now for something that made me think about social cues of eating. And that is a movie in 2005, not 1985. 2005 came out July 15th of that year. Uh, Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Christopher Walken, uh, and so and a slew of other actors and actresses that were in that movie. And Vince Vaughn played a character. His name was Jeremy. Owen Wilson was John. It was his partner. And all they loved to do, Joe, was what? Crash weddings. Wedding crashers. In my opinion, one of the funniest movies I've ever watched. Is it a little bit risque in terms of the language and so on and so forth? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to let my 12-year-old watch it. But uh, – it was a hilarious movie. And what got me thinking about social cues and how we act in an environment and what makes us feel like we have to eat was Vince Vaughn's character, Joe. How many times have you seen the movie? Have you seen it? Uh, I've never seen it. Oh, my goodness. Where have you? What rock are you? Generation Z, are you hearing this? <laughs> As you can see, I have embraced you and watched this movie probably 15 times now. But um, it's a great movie as Vince Vaughn's character. What they do, him and Owen Wilson, they crash weddings pretending to be somebody who knows the bride and groom. And they change their names, their religious backgrounds and everything to fit the culture of the wedding and actually have people believing that they've known them for years and they just crash to weddings and have a good time all to meet new ladies at each wedding. And they do it the entire wedding season, whatever that might be uh, June through September or June through October. And the one thing about Vince Vaughn's character that reminded me, Joe, that it could be something that can relate to today's show is every wedding, all Vince Vaughn does besides dance and pretend to love all the little kids at the wedding is eat. He eats and he eats and he eats. One of his favorite lines from the movie is, 
crab cakes. I love crab cakes. He just stopped. He never. He reaches over and grabs Owen Wilson's cake and eats it. He he, he teach. He's trying to teach people how to eat. Eating was his main thing at this wedding, and so it was a so a social cue, so to speak. It was almost like he felt. It wasn't that he was hungry. It was that you're at a wedding. You have cookie tables. Many people don't even know what that is when I say cookie table. We'll go with sweet table, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not from Northeast Ohio. Cookie tables, you know, 17 different aunts, uncles, and cousins all making cookies for uh, an individual's wedding. And, and the cake and everything is all at one table with the big ice sculptures and the water fountains and so, and so on and so forth. And all Vince does is eat the entire time, the entire movie, it seemed like. And so there was a social cue there. And that's what made me think, here's a situation where we can invite Generation Z in to relate, Joe, to something that definitely relates to the show we have today. If, I, if I'm making any sense here at all. No, you are. And you know what, too? Uh, here's the thing. It's not necessarily – sometimes it, it's it's not uh, – uh, where you're at or specific environment that that can bring about this attitude of just all, you know, no holds barred, eat what we want. Sometimes it's a situation or set of circumstances. Mm. Uh, One of the things that I always struggled with, and I don't know why this is um, my wife can honestly care less if I, if I pig out, if I eat a whole bunch, she could care. She, you know, it's not that she doesn't care about me and my health, but you know, she's not gonna. Oh, you're eating cake again. You know, she doesn't get on me for Funny it. Funny you say that. Funny you but say that. We're gonna talk something, about that. There's something in my brain that when she leaves the house, it's like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. get into this. I don't know why, and it's mm. it, you know, it becomes like this. <laughs> You know, sneaking I, behind the trainer's back. Type yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. no reason for it. But so, you know, these social cues that we're talking about, sometimes it's not even about a, a place where you're at. It could just be a set of circumstances. Yes. And and again, what you just said, this is not a show about um, social cues when it comes to, ladies and gentlemen, uh, an influence uh, that will determine how we act, so to speak. Uh, we, uh, you know, how are we supposed to act? You know, for example, and, and I'll give this as an example, uh, our manners, you know, around other people, uh, people might think this is the type of show where, you know, it's not that type of social cue we're talking about. Um, everybody rises up for the national anthem. So we feel like, you know, okay, it's time to rise up because the national anthem is playing at a sporting event. Now, for all you social media people who need an agenda, go somewhere else with that agenda because that's not what we're going to talk about today. Um, because I'm sure some ears raised up from our Facebook friends who feel like, you know, how dare you talk about the national anthem uh, right now? And, and that's not the point. The point is that there's a trigger mechanism there uh, when it comes to that type of social cue. But today is not about that. Today is about what triggers us in our eating habits. And Joe just gave a perfect example of something we're going to actually bring up. Uh, not necessarily my sister-in-law uh, <laughs> scolding him, but but examples of that that I think we can all relate to. And, you know, what we want to do here is we want to talk about uh, several things, all right? And then uh, also a fantastic article uh, that has so many different research uh, uh, stories in it, uh, Joe, as far as uh, different types of social cues when it comes to eating habits that I'm hoping you can include when I send it to you into the uh, description of the podcast. Sure. Um, but yeah, social influences on eating and how they persuade us. Okay? Do we eat differently with other people versus eating alone? 
That's very yes. interesting. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. we do. <laughs> we, we do. We do. All right. And you kind of just gave an example a little bit, you know, sure. Cindy's gone. Time to eat, you know. Well, I, I didn't mean, say what I ate, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so you know, there, there's that one uh, influence, all right? So even though even though your wife, Joe, is not somebody who is um, scolding you and, and basically hounding over you saying, right. you know, watch what you're putting in your – how much of that are you eating? What are you eating? It's still uh, – inside of your brain, you have this thought process where my wife – is and it's not that you're not because you've already explained to everybody how you've lost all that weight and your mm-hmm. different different eating lifestyle that you have now. But you know how and folks, I'm gonna tell you that I know this as well. My sister-in-law is very, very strict on how she handles herself. And it's it's a very serious thing for her. She likes to eat healthy. Um, she she follows a very strict pattern and lifestyle in that aspect. So Joe automatically equates that with. I don't know that I want to um, disappoint her, even though he knows she won't be disappointed. So, so there's that. That's that influence, even though she's not trying to be an influence. Her mannerisms make her an influence automatically, whether she likes it or not. Um, do we eat differently? Like I said, you know, yes, we do. Uh, Joe answered that question right away, uh, as opposed to eating alone, you know, when eating with other people. Dining out with friends is, is one aspect of this as well, not just Joe's situation. But when you're dining out with friends, uh, dining out with colleagues, you know, when you're in a, if you're dining out with a colleague or, or, or three, uh, and it's a state of the business meeting, let's say, where we're going to talk numbers, or we're gonna, a lot of times people will eat whatever their colleagues are eating, even if they didn't want to. If a colleague orders something that uh, maybe is higher up on the, on the, on, in the office, all right, uh, in terms of um, the totem pole, all right, if you're with your business manager and that is your boss, there's a lot of times people will order whatever their business manager ordered simply because they're trying to make an impression on that particular person. And, and that is, that holds so true. Some people right now just thought to themselves, wow, that, that's true. Never really thought about it that way. You know, dining with extended family, not so much your immediate family. When you're eating every day with uh, the wife and the kids or, or the husband and the kids, the, the, your immediate family, you're, you kind of start getting used to, to a certain extent with, with them. And, and, and you become a little more comfortable unless you're Joe. Uh, and, yeah. And, and so I'm talking more like, um, you know, aunts, uncles, uh, grandparents, uh, second cousins, you know, people that you're not around all the time, they can influence the way we eat or how much we eat because we don't want to be perceived as the individual who eats all the bad food or who eats more food than everybody else. Some people don't care. Many people do. And it influences our eating habits. Um, or let's turn this around. If they're eating a lot more food, we tend to eat a lot more food, especially if it's in a social environment where food becomes a center point, a centerpiece of the conversation around the table. So they're dipping into those chips and nachos and dip and everything. And you're automatically doing it as you're carrying on that conversation about whatever it might be, politics, whatever it might be. Uh, politics, probably not a good idea around the table during family time, right? So, uh, you know, dining with the neighbors. And and here's another thing, all right? Do our food choices mimic those who we are closest with? Joe, we, I mean, you almost, you gave us an example in the beginning of the show. We could probably go back to every time. Would you say that your food choices 
not so much now because you have found a lifestyle of eating that you that you own but before that uh and maybe sometimes now do you choose different foods based on what your wife does because of her lifestyle of eating well i'll tell you what it's it's (laughs) um you know not not here at the home you know, I eat what, what, you know, whatever we, we have for dinner that night, mm-hmm. but I've found the easiest, and this is just what's easy for me. Like you said, she's very strict in what, what she's going to eat. So I can guarantee it to you, whatever it is that she's going to order when we're out is something that's probably not going to derail me that much. Yeah. So I always look at the waitress and I'm like, they just, you know, do that one in duplicate. I'll go ahead and have the exact same thing she's having. You just, you put, know, you just and, put, you just put the index finger and middle finger up. I'll take, we'll take two. Yep, times two. Okay, that's gotcha. it. You know, and uh, because I know I'm not going to go wrong, so yeah, I definitely mean yeah. what 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 you know what she wants uh, uh, for dinner when we're out eating out. Is there and then, so let me put you in a situation and uh, with my sister in law side here, your wife Cindy. Uh, you're out. You're you just completed a drone shooting with a realtor. Uh, sure. This is part of Joe's business, ladies and gentlemen. You do a drone shooting, and the realtor and and two of their partners from their company. Your guys are going to go out and he wants to introduce you to his two partners and possibly line up some, uh, you know, whatever services that you may be interested in and working with them as well. So you're going to do a little bit of a business meeting. You sit down and you're with, you know, uh, these two gentlemen and and a young lady who are all part of his company. And do you do you ever feel in a situation like that, do you feel like you would want to be the first one to order from the menu or do you want to see what these people are going to order first? Yeah. Honestly, for me personally, I don't really care. Like I'll drink a water while they're eating three, three course meals. I mean, it just yeah. it doesn't bother yeah. me, um, you know, just because I don't, I don't eat that way. And usually people who see me, you know, they, they already know through my, uh, just the way that I carry myself, uh, you know, is always having the bottle of water with me or, you know, knowing what I'm never seeing me eat like fast food or whatever. They already know what's up once, you know, we go out for like a meal like that, like for like a business meal. So it doesn't really shock anybody, but yes, I get exactly what you're saying. I mean, certainly, uh, if, if you, you, you know, you're at, uh, there's give it a, a Los Gallos. So you're here sure. and you have, uh, the, the basket of chips and things that make their way to the table. Nultra, yeah. The salsa yeah. and chips. I mean, you yeah. know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, of course you're going to, uh, indulge, yeah. uh, you know, while you're talking and just, you know, doing whatever, but, um, not, not never really felt forced though. No, it, but that's me personally, though. Sure, and 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 studies will show us that a lot of times we do it because we want to be accepted mm-hmm. um, into the into that group. You know, we don't want to seem like we're left out. Let me tell you something that I notice. <clears throat> Excuse me, with me, there are times when I'm out to eat with people, and they will look at me and say, "You go ahead and order first. It happens a lot. Why? What do you <laughs> think? Same thing. They, they want to see what I'm going yeah. to order. They want to see what the trainer is going to order. Right. Because if I order strict food, mm-hmm. um, you know, a clean protein with, you know, a green vegetable, no dessert, no appetizer, I, I you know, sometimes the people I'm with, they'll follow suit. Mm-hmm. If I go ahead and order the shrimp scampi, okay, with fettuccine Alfredo and, uh, uh, you know, and then I go ahead and have um, – I don't even know because I normally don't, but, but, uh, I, I go ahead and have, um, a side of something that's just not healthy. Right. And I have a beer with it and I have a beer with it. Then they'll go ahead and loosen up a little bit. Not everybody does that. My closest friends don't do that. 
because they know me and they know right. that when I'm going to indulge, they know that, but they also don't care. Right. Mm -hmm. We have a jousting session amongst ourselves for our entire career as friends for the last four decades. And so it's no big deal to them and no big deal to me. Mm -hmm. I never judge people for what they eat. That is absolutely ridiculous. So there is that. Okay. Here's another thing. Cultural expectations. Now, Joe and I, uh, we have mentioned this in several shows. We grew up in a town, Camel, Ohio. Camel spelled like the soup. You say it like the animal, the P and B are left out. We do not want to hear that come out of your mouth. It is not Campbell, it's Camel. And it is a suburb of Youngstown, Ohio. It's a small community that was once 11, 12,000 and is now maybe 7,000 people. Maybe. But it's very much diverse in terms of culture. African-American, Latino, Greek, Catholic, Italian, you name it. It is here, Baptist, religiously speaking, culturally speaking, if you want to try food from every background you can think of, this is where you want to be. And so cultural expectations reign supreme when it comes to that. You know, when you go to, for instance, a Greek wedding, um, you're going to eat phila, Joe. You're going to eat the baklava. You're going to eat pastizzo, right? You know, when, when you go to, uh, you know, I have so many friends who are Puerto Rican. When you go, the Puerto Rican population in Camel is immense to the point where we have bakeries and restaurants in a community of 7,000 that are all Puerto Rican cuisine uh, and very good food. Okay, let's, let's, are we, who are we trying to fool here? Uh, very good food. And so you go to a birthday party. Uh, one of your friend's house and, you know, and, uh, you know, who's Puerto Rican and it's his little daughter's birthday and they're going to have all this food there. You're going to indulge in that expectation. Um, it's a matter of how you indulge though, correct? It's a matter of how you partake in that and how much of that you're going to eat. Uh, but you can't escape it. Um, cultural expectations, when you go to somebody's house, you have to have something because it becomes what? It becomes offensive to other people right. if you're not going to have a little bit of something. Right, because so, those 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 uh, uh, grandparents or aunts and uncles, they, they spent time making that for people to enjoy. And if you right. don't enjoy, then they've kind of wasted their time. And yeah, yes. definitely will be offended. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when it comes to, you know, diversity, I mean, I, I, that's one thing for sure. We've been always lucky about here in Camel House. We get to try all kinds of different types of food and it just happens to all be good. And we don't apologize for that. So, I mean, cultural expectations play a big role in social cues in terms of how we eat, you know, and speaking of social events. Now, we gave an example at the end of the last show of what this show was going to be about. And obviously, as you can see, it's about so much more than that. But when we talk about social events, we're talking about Super Bowl parties. We're talking about birthday parties. We're talking about when you crash weddings. How many people out there have actually ever done that? Those of you who have seen that show, do you really think you can get away with what Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson were getting away with in that show? I can't see it. I don't even think I can put myself up for that. Joe, can you crash a wedding? You know what? I think I think if somebody is gutsy enough to do it, I don't know who's going to call them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's going to call them out? Everybody's constantly wondering. He must be from the other side of the family. I mean, nobody you, would ever. 
You and Cindy got to watch the movie, and obviously without the kids around because the language and so on and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you have Vince Vaughn, you have Christopher Walken, you have oh, you see, you're going to have Bradley um, Bradley Cooper's in it as well. He plays mm-hmm. a hilarious role, hilarious role. So I mean, uh, and uh, Doctor Jane Medicine Woman, what is her name? I can't think of her name. She's also in it, but nonetheless, um, it's a it's a hilarious movie. But I don't know how they pull it off. But nonetheless, like I said, you're at a wedding. It's a cue. It's a social cue that eating is going to take place. And at times, if you're not paying attention, it's not that you're hungry. It's just there. The cookie tables are there. The sweet tables, all that food is there. And you can't help but indulge in the moment because that's what you do at weddings. That's what you do at Super Bowl parties. And so, you know, it's an influence on us, right? And and there's really no way around it. It's what we're trying to point out to you folks when it comes to our subconscious minds. Eating is not always because you're hungry. Unfortunately, it's because we feel it's a way of life that interjects into our social lives. And even when we're not hungry, our hunger horm- hormone is, is, is kicking in. And the hormone that tells us that we're not hungry anymore is not responding. Uh, and so that could be a problem if – you were going to a social event every weekend or and during the week, right? Because then it becomes a way of life that you have to put under control. Um, do we influence others with our own eating habits? I think I think we do, right, Joe? Look what yes. Cindy does, you know, based on what you had said in the beginning of the show. Look what I said about when I go to a restaurant. Uh, and as a trainer, everybody wants me to order food first sometimes because they want to see what I'm going to order. I have this direct influence on them. You know, and and when we talk about this, we could talk about it from two different aspects. We could talk about it from uh, smaller intimate settings, and we could talk about it from, you know, maybe larger gatherings. Let me give you guys an example of something that happens to me at work sometimes. When I'm at work, we talk about smaller intimate settings when it comes to lunchtime. I find myself eating alone, um, and a bigger part of it right now is because of the situation we're in right now. And, and so and so we don't really crowd around each other as much while we're at work. But lunchtime comes, which, by the way, is a social cue for everybody to eat. Huh? Yes. Do you have to eat at lunchtime because it's lunchtime at work, ladies and gentlemen? That's what they say you have to do. It's lunchtime. It's not time to just sit there and drink water or have a cup of coffee. No cream and sugar. It's time to eat. I'm not hungry, but I brought my food, so I'm going to eat. It's a social cue. So then you sit down, and I notice this. I'll sit down, and usually uh, if I'm going to eat at lunch, um, I'll have, Joe, some scrambled eggs with aged Gouda cheese and maybe uh, a chicken breast and uh, my rehydrate drink from AdvoCare. And I'll notice that as other people sit down by me, if they went and got the breakfast pizza up in the cafeteria – or if they went and grabbed a bag of Doritos and a ham and cheese sandwich with mayonnaise and a Coke from the little cafeteria on the other end of the plant, they kind of like at times will shy away, like as if I'm going to judge them based on what they're eating. And I actually never pay attention. But when I started to notice that, I started to pay attention because I started realizing that they actually think that I'm going to scold them for their – and it, it, what reminded me of this is what you said earlier about when Cindy is there and you actually, even though she doesn't care, 
have this little you you tend to you have tendencies to it's, shy it's away not from. so much the scolding <laughs> as it is being embarrassed of the food that that's we're it. eating. That's it. You see what I'm saying? That's so it. yeah, it's not even it's not even about worrying about the scolding. It, it, and I can full on admit that it's because I would be embarrassed to eat. If I'm supposed to be this person, right? Mm-hmm. Who uh, who, as far as she sees, just eats right and eats healthy and works out and does all this stuff. And then uh, you know now I'm in front of her and I'm gorging on chocolate cake, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I would be embarrassed to eat that way on a cut, not, not at a birthday party or whatever. That's tough. <laughs> I'm stuffing cake. In my, in my face. There, but, you know, there again, I was though, doing it every yeah. day. Right. Yeah. And, and Cindy would have a piece of cake at a birthday party. Of course. Yeah. So, of I mean, course. yeah. And so there's that, um, you know, and I got to tell you, it works the other way around too. Mm-hmm. It works the other way around too. Um, there's these things called Mrs. Feigley's, Donut sticks. Mrs. Feigley's donut. I don't know why. There's three little donut sticks in a little package. And there's not one good thing about them from a health standpoint. Nothing. There's zero that goes into these things. But they're like crack cocaine. And so I want to say once a week at work, I eat one of those packs of donut sticks, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what I don't do? I don't hide it. And guess what happens immediately when someone sees me eat a donut stick? Oh, you're off your diet. Oh, oh Tony's eating what, what, donuts. Mr. Yeah. Trainer, are you going to say that on your podcast, what you're eating? <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. I'll eat all three of them. As soon as we go audio and video, I'll eat them right in front of you on the air while I'm talking about staying in shape. I don't I'm, – I'm not that person. What I don't do is eat 12 Mrs. Feigley's donut sticks every Monday – Wednesday and Friday. But if I want three little donut sticks on Thursdays with my coffee, yeah, I'm going to. Well, not Thursdays. That's a fast day for me. Uh, we'll go Friday. We'll go Friday. Why not? Thank God it's Friday, right? Because then I get my, my donut sticks, Joe. <laughs> I wait all week. For well, I think those. that one applies. I think that one applies. That might be the one to, one of those times where thank God it's Friday actually is a, yeah, is, is, that, a is it actually worth it? Okay. So, yeah. I mean – so, I mean, you know, you, you have that situation, too, where the people who always eat right or try to eat right 85% of the time, as I call mm-hmm. it, they also feel awkward at times because they're like, am I allowed to eat this or is everyone going to get on my case? Because normally I don't eat like this. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there's that as well. And again, it's a social cue. It's, 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 it's the environment around you and the people in that environment, small gatherings, and even in larger gatherings. But in my own personal opinion, in a large gathering, if you go with 14 people to a huge dinner at Mallorca, which is a Spanish restaurant in Pittsburgh and Cleveland, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and Cleveland, Ohio, which is fantastic food, save up, you know, your pocketbook before you go. And uh, I, I got to tell you, there's you're, you're drinking sangria and you're eating a ton of fantastic food and you're not really paying attention and when you're in a group that big and i've done this many a times you don't even pay attention to the fact that you're eating bad because you feel like there's so many of us no one's really paying attention to what any one person is eating we're all eating bad you almost look weird if you're the one who's like eating so clean and so good in that situation it's it's almost pressure in the other direction to eat, you know, bad and not good. So larger gatherings, it seems like it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong here. It seems like in a larger gathering, the pressure is off as opposed to a smaller intimate gathering of people. Uh, in my own personal opinion and in my experience, that is held true. But 
what I want to do here is, you know, I want to dive into the, to the last thing I brought up. Okay. The, the last, the very last couple of things I brought up just now and, and continue on this journey as far as the eating habits are concerned when terms of influences, uh, by others, um, what, what we, you know, what, what we have to remember is this, when people are trying to influence us, okay, based on what our perception of them is, in other words, oh boy, he or she is a trainer, and so I feel like I'm going to be judged if I eat this, and I don't know if that's a good idea. Or, you know, if if you feel that in a, in a gathering of people that because you are someone who eats healthy 75, 80, 85, 90% of the time that you're going to be judged by that. Folks, you can't let these type of social influences, these social cues, these environmental cues, you cannot let that influence you if you want to take a moment to indulge in your cheating window on a certain day. Or if you really like and enjoy eating clean and people around you are not doing that, sure, there's going to be a comment. Sure, there's going to be – you cannot allow that to influence you in one way or another. If it is your journey, you stick to your journey. It makes it very difficult. The hardest part about an eating lifestyle is not the food that you have to eat. It's the environment around you that can dictate where and when you get off the train and back on the train. And that is the biggest problem. Uh, And another example I can give, Joe, is when you're the only one in the household that eats clean. Mm. If, if If Cindy was the only one, if your wife was the only one that ate clean, and you and the kids ate everything and anything under the sun, it would be very hard for her. Okay, from meal preparation to being around a table with people that are eating everything wrong while you're trying to eat everything right. So that also plays a huge role, right, in terms of influences on our eating habits. People who are in our personal lives that are very close to us, the way they eat definitely influences the way we do. Absolutely. So again, how do we influence others with our own eating habits? That's exactly how we do it. That's exactly how, what I just said. Uh, It's as simple as that. What we choose to eat, you know, again, talking about smaller gatherings at lunch and so on and so forth, it again, it influences where am I going to sit at lunch? How do I avoid this person that I think is going to judge me based on what I'm eating as opposed to what they're eating? And again, you have to learn how to not care what other people think of the way your eating habits are. Now, also there's this. If you are eating bad all the time and so it bothers you to let other people see what you're eating, maybe it's time to have a one-on-one with yourself about changing some of the things you're doing when it comes to your eating habits. Maybe you should be listening to a show called Two Brothers, One Mike. Maybe you should be venturing into uh, Googling different types of eating lifestyles and understanding what they're all about and how they could be healthier and what might work for you and what might not work for you. Maybe it's time because if it's bothering you that much, maybe there's a reason why. Maybe it's time to go down a healthier eating lifestyle path. So there's that as well. Don't make you, what I don't want them to think here, Joe, is I don't want them to think what we're saying is, listen, if you eat bad, don't care about what other people talk. You know, just keep eating bad. That's not what I'm saying. 
if it's bothering you that much, please think about changing the eating lifestyle. What we're talking about is if you're having a cheat meal during the course of a week and you feel like you can't do that because others are around you that are going to judge you, you have to learn to push that aside. You cannot allow peer pressure to bother you, easier said than done. So I could tell you this. There's a ton of extensive research studies done out there that really break down and give a, a complex understanding of why these particular cues cause us to eat certain ways. Uh, again, Joe, if possible, once I send it to you, because I have not yet, um, I'd like you to include that in the description of the podcast. And folks, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, okay? It, very interesting, all right? And we're not going to get too deep into it, but I'm going to touch on a few things here. But this article, all right, that Joe's going to have in the podcast for you to click on, is extensive. I mean, we're talking about a lot of research, different research studies that were done. And it was in it was actually in sciencedirect.com and I believe it was published in June of 2016. And the the authors, both uh, professors of psychology, uh, Suzanne Higgs and a Jason Thomas, uh, where they are professors at the University of Birmingham. They really get into some extensive research and they post so many different studies done by so many di different um, research and development scientists that, that have really dug deep into human behavior when talking about eating habits, which is what these two have an extensive background in as psychologists. So let me point out several things without getting so deep into this research that we could literally have a show here, Joe, for four hours, five hours. One of the articles actually, or, or several of them actually, tie in the relationship between food and emotional responses. Giving positive feedback from peers as we conform to group norms with our eating habits. I'm reading this right out of here. Giving positive feedback from peers as we conform to group norms with our eating habits are very rewarding to us. What are they saying there? What are they saying there, right? What they're saying is, if I'm eating asparagus and the person next to me says, good for you. I mean, I love asparagus. I've done so much research on it. It's so good for you in terms of the antioxidants and the different vitamins and minerals it has in it. That is a positive feedback from a peer that makes me feel good about the fact that I'm eating something that is good for me. Make sense? As opposed to, oh my God, are you eating a ho-ho? Do you know how much sugar is in one ho-ho? I mean, I hope you don't eat ho-hos like that all the time. That is a negative response, which can shame us and make us feel like, wow, I mean, just shoot me now, right? And, you know, whether it's food we like, you know, preferences, changes we make to fall in line with others, amounts we eat, it doesn't matter, all right? Are you seriously going to eat all of that spaghetti and meatballs you have on your plate? You're not going to get a doggy bag? Man, what, you haven't eaten for three days? We've all been in these situations. We really have. And for some of us, it's even more shameful and more of a negative uh, response and negative feedback that we're getting that it really can cause us to go into a shell, so to speak. And when we go into a shell, what happens then is what do we do to make ourselves feel better? We kind of hide and eat more right? Food is a comfort and it can actually cause a, a, a downward spiral that could be so bad for anybody when feeling shamed about overeating 
and then feeling like you have to remove yourself from society when it comes to any eating function and just eat more because of how upset you are. And then it just turns into a downward spiral that, that it's extremely hard to recover from. So we have to understand that. Now, the next one is something I absolutely love. And, and Joe, I think many people in our audience, even yourself, may be able to relate to this. Let me know personally, Joe, if you can. Uh, folks, let me know. Let Joe know as well because we have this thing on our podcast that you can click on and leave a voice response. I think Joe says it every time at the end of the show. We would love to hear from you guys about this particular part right here for sure. Tell us, tell the, tell us if this has ever happened to you. There's a study. It's in this article that we are including in the podcast about chocolates uh, in a bowl, in a lobby, in a lunchroom, wherever you have them at. Uh, and so people walking past, Joe, people walking past the bowl to sit down in the lobby and wait for whatever it is they may have ordered or wait for their car in a service lobby or whatever. People walking past the bowl, no empty wrappers sitting in a garbage container right next to them, tend to walk past the bowl and not grab one. If they walk past the bowl and see a bunch of empty wrappers in the garbage can, they tend to grab a couple pieces of chocolate. Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Why do you think that happens? Empty wrappers, more chocolates taken. No empty wrappers, less chocolates taken. Because we've looked around, we've looked around, and we've seen that our peers are taking. So it's socially acceptable in this particular environment to go ahead and have a couple pieces of chocolate. But if no one else is taking them, it's almost as if, we sit back and say, I don't want to be the first one. I don't want to be the one to look like the quote unquote pig. So yeah, to speak. you know, this would never work with me though. Cause if I walk past and see a bowl full of chocolates, they're not finding chocolates. They're not finding wrappers. And I may or may not leave with the bowl. So you're saying, what you're saying though, is <laughs> that people will like you because they'll be like, Oh, that guy finally did it. Let's all. And everybody comes up then because Joe, Joe, basically he broke the, the, the stigma that he, he created a new norm. In other words, yeah, and I'm so, taking them all. Yeah, if nobody else well, wants them, I'm taking. Them. Well, that's just selfish. <laughs> that's downright selfish. Yes, so that, that that could create a fight. I'll, in the middle I'll be of the selfish lobby. with yeah, all yeah. of my chocolate. That's yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but but you understand where we're coming from here, right? Yeah. Um, let me add, you know, something else. You know, in terms of experiences that relate to this, Let, let's turn it around here, folks. Something that let's get away from the service lobby that you're you're hanging out in, waiting for your car. Let's talk about at home. There's a pan on the stove, brownies. It's five people in your family. There's one brownie left. Mine. Uh, Joe says it's his. (laughs) How many people say it's theirs? And how many people say, well, there's four other people here. I don't want to be the last one to grab that brownie. Let me make this even more interesting because in the family, the environment changes and there's more comfort there where people will grab that last brownie. You're sitting around the table. There's 10 of you at a friend's house playing Yahtzee. In the middle of the table, there's a plate with cookies on it. There were once 36 chocolate chip cookies amongst you 10 people. Now there's one. Who's grabbing the last cookie? Mine. 
You're making it really difficult. I'm taking you know it every time. I'm taking it every time. See, it doesn't work well with me. I'm taking it every time. And Folks, I don't know who's playing Yahtzee. Yeah, <laughs> Whoever's playing Yahtzee. I had to throw something in there from the 80s for crying out loud. So, right? Yeah, there yeah, it is. There's your yeah, 80s. There's, your there's 80s, my uh, 80s. Yeah, exactly. So, so that being said, hey, listen, there's all kind of new forms of Yahtzee out there now. There's a, oh, there are. Yeah. So, so that being said, I guarantee you, everybody, Generation Z knows Yahtzee. They know. Uh, so that being said, Joe doesn't exist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the, the cookie is on the plate. It becomes a, a mind game of, do I want to grab the last cookie? What do I do? And so there's that, all right? There's that, mm-hmm. there's that cue. There's that. We, there's the environmental cue right there in, in which we are being influenced on, do we hold back or do we grab the cookie? And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could be, I'll be honest with you. Me, I don't grab the cookie. Um, now, see, I, may- me, I, I wouldn't just take it. I would be the, I would be the guy who starts this conversation. Okay. Hey, does anybody want this last cook? There's one cookie left. Who wants to let, and then, you know, everybody in the room starts talking about how they don't want it. And the next guy should take it. No, you take it. I did the right thing. I asked everybody. Cause you know that they're going to tell you, go ahead and take, nobody's going to say, I want it. What if you, what if I'm going to go back? I'm going to, here comes another eighties, another eighties, uh, uh, Q. What if I am the Lego, my ego guy? And I grab the cookie, and then you grab the cookie at the same time. Uh, you, uh, those of you who remember the Lego my ego, um, and so now both of you have the cookie. So you don't, you never know. There's another Joe at that table, possibly, right? Nah. But that has not really nothing to do with this show whatsoever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know who's going to fight over the cookie, but good luck to whoever wins. Um, it's 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 all about feeling comfortable sure. all right with that social cue it's yeah. not about whether or not you were hungry it's mm-hmm. about your environment around you and mm-hmm. everybody else is eating so i'm going to eat it's a large gathering and everyone is eating more i'm going to eat more if i'm out with my colleagues and i want to know what they're going to eat because i don't want to eat something that may make them have a negative influence are not a negative influence, but a negative um, viewpoint of me as an individual because I'm trying to close a deal right now. So I want to look like a very, very, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know what the word might be, but I want to look like an individual who is got it all together. Uh, I, I eat clean and I take good care of myself. And so I don't want to order something that may be perceived by them as my goodness does he take care of his accounts the same way he takes care of you know taking care of his body you know and that is what's going on in your head even though you don't even realize it and it happens to a lot of us it really does um and you know that being said you know there's other studies out there people consuming you know certain amounts based on what others consumed and other successful studies uh you know and, and did you hear what i just said there people actually reading studies that would mean that people, Joe, looking at the studies that you're going to put in the podcast description today, and they're looking, and so we're all reading the studies, and you notice that the, you know, there's five different groups of people when it comes to the sample size of the study, and the group that did the best, lost the most weight, kept the weight off, um, and so on and so forth, they ate this, 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 this. They fasted here, here, and here. They drank this, this, and this. They, they exercised to this intensity on this day, this day, and this day. And what do we end up doing? We try to mimic exactly what they did. And even though no two people are the same, mm-hmm. we are expecting the same results. It is a cue of our environment that makes us feel that by looking at that study, that's exactly how we're going to do it. And you may or may not get the same results. 
right? In terms of your reducing your waist, in terms of weight loss, and to, in terms of improving your A1C levels, and so on and so forth. It's basically the whole theory behind the marketing of, you know, anybody holding a canister of any supplement next to their face and they're ripped and shredded. And, you know, it kind of gives you the idea that, well, if I do what that guy does, I'm going to look just like him, including taking whatever supplement he's taking. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and that's something, you know, is absolutely, you know, absolutely a pet peeve of mine. I, that drives me nuts. And, and we're never going to, we're going to do shows where we talk about stuff like that. We're never going to call anybody out. Oh, I'd like to, but we're not going to call anybody out. We're not because we're really not about that. No, but but I I do know for a fact we're going to call out uh, some of their some of their findings. I'm not even I I can't even I can't even say that they're findings when you're when you're talking 20 to 40 pounds of fat in 10 days, I think was one of the things that our favorite Uh, one boasted. So yeah, no, I'm definitely going to call out their findings. Well, our same, our same favorite one, when it came to exercise, tried to put out an entire show saying that planking was bad for you. Uh, Anyway, I mean, anyway, yeah. And so, you know, a wrap up, if you will, Joe, and you know, a wrap up could be a little longer than normal, but we're going to have a show uh, in the coming future uh, folks, solely for the purpose of discussing adolescent behavior based on different actions we take as adults, as parents, and how we control, you know, controlling or attempting to control childhood obesity, which I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it. Uh, I, as a parent, you know, understand. Uh, everybody as a parent understands. Joe, as a parent, understands that it is a sensitive um, discussion, but it is a reality. And this article that Joe's going to include uh, in, in the podcast has several studies in it that's going to point out the social norms, the behaviors, the cues that we give our children, and in many ways, in a nonverbal manner. In other words, when I say that, Nonverbal meaning, it's not so much us telling them what to eat and telling them what not to eat. It's what we are doing in terms of what we are eating and what we are not eating and whether or not we are exercising and not exercising and whether or not we are following any type of healthy lifestyle with understanding the times when it's okay to indulge and enjoy yourself. Your children pay attention to you. It does not always work this way. Sometimes there's so many different factors that go into childhood obesity. It's not just always about the fact that we aren't eating right or we aren't doing certain things right and therefore our children aren't doing certain things right. It's part of it. It's part of it. And so, Joe, if you will, a show indeed that we will all need to listen to when we talk about different cues, different social norms, and different studies, which are included in this article here today, which caused this type of behavior in our children, which is why we are one of the worst countries when it comes to childhood obesity. And I don't know if that upsets certain people, but it's a fact and something that I truly understand. Trust me. And actually, I'm going to have quite a bit to say as well um, yeah. when it comes to this whole thing when he, with uh, childhood obesity, not because of me or or any of my children, yeah. uh, just some stuff that I did through my studies when we talked way back in season one about sugar yeah. um, and, there, and the effects that it has on our children as well, beyond just obesity, but 
develop, developmentally as well. Mm-hmm. So there's there's plenty to be said, and the childhood obesity goes hand in hand with that uh, th- with those developmental delays as well. But yes, all right. So let's talk about next week's show. We head back to an interview with Dr. Nicole Rentillo, where she gives her professional take on a show we tackled earlier in season two incidental emotion and its effect in our decision-making process in life. If you haven't heard our first interview with Dr. Rentilla on integral emotion, check that one out as well. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, real quick. Uh, uh, she, she gives a fantastic interview and uh, I always love uh, what she brings to, you know, to the show. She's only been on one time, but I've talked to her extensively in the past and uh, she's going to be on quite a bit. Uh, two brothers, one Mike. And so I'm definitely looking forward to that interview. She definitely brings a whole different aspect to the show uh, with her, you know, her professional background when it comes to things like that. All right. Well, until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or opinions, you can leave us a voice message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, be the best you. We'll see you next week. And uh, if you're ever around a table with Joe, with the last, Joe, would you really take the last cookie with 10 people sitting there? I would. There's one cookie left. You can't take the last cookie. Mine. It's all yeah. mine. Yeah, well, I don't know. That, I'll tell you what. There could be a fight there. I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't know. All right.